This episode of the Writer's Advice podcast is brought to you by my journal series. So the journal series by Olivia Hillier, you can buy these in a pack on my website or you can buy these separately. And this is everything that you want as a writer and a reader. This includes the writer's journal. So if you are currently working on a manuscript right now, whether it's your fifth, whether it's your 10th, whether it's your absolute first, this writer's journal is going to help you get everything that's going on in your mind out onto paper. It is about how to create 3D characters and it's going to prompt you to really create your characters, bring them to life. It's going to do the exact same for the world that you are creating, the different scenes that you want to create within the book. It gives you a full breakdown, a chapter outline of how you want to bring it all together, exactly how to create the plot climax and you get to do the full brain dump of absolutely everything that you're creating all in this journal as well as be held accountable to getting your greatest work done at the end there is also the tbr journal so being a new year i'm sure that you all have a very very long tbr it's probably just the exact same as mine and i'm going to add another one today thanks to this incredible author to that but this is a great book for you and your friends to dive into particularly if you have a book club you add your whole tbr at the start track how many um, pages that you've read each day each book and then there's a whole section for each book of your favorite moment your overall review your um favorite quote. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have the journal right in front of me right now, but there are so many great things that you get to put down, everything you loved about this book, five stars, whatever star rating that you want to give it is all in there, all in one. And I think that you can put up to 200, 250 books in there. So it's definitely going to get you through a couple of years. They are all available at oliviahillier.com or you can get them on Amazon. So there's also a new one coming. There is also a new one coming very soon that I am sure many writers are going to love and particularly listeners of this podcast. So if you want to find out what that one is, make sure that you are signed up to my mailing list, um, which is through, once again, the link in this episode. (laughs) All right, guys, I've talked so much today and I'm so excited to share this particular podcast with you. So let's get into it. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Olivia. Thank you. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice podcast, everyone. And today I am joined by Matthew Ryan Davies, who is, I mean, you've got a couple of books up your sleeve, but you are hot on the release of The Broken Wave, which I honestly devoured so quickly. And there's so many things that I want to get into uh, about this book. But firstly, yeah, tell me, tell me how writing all started for you in your life. Um, well, hey, Olivia, first of all, nice to be talking with you today. Um, so writing, well, I I actually wasn't much of a reader as a kid, which is pretty unusual for writers. Usually you hear writers spend so much time in the library as kids and they just devoured books as kids, but I wasn't that kind of kid. Um, I didn't come to writing until much later. Um, I went to uni thinking I wanted to be a journalist. Um, yeah. So I studied media studies at uni. Um 
and yeah, we're thinking that, that writing would be my path there, but not, I wasn't thinking about fiction then. I was thinking more about, you know, like feature writing, longer form sort of stuff. And then, um, and then I took a break from uni and went overseas and I worked a bit in hospitality and then came back and finished uni and I don't know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I continued down the hospitality path for a while thinking I would um, work in the hotel industry. And then um, I decided that wasn't for me. <laughs> And then, and then I wanted to work in film and television. So I actually moved into um, film and television, then worked in a production company for a number of years, and then moved from there into um, communication roles. Yeah. So I worked, uh, my last one was with the, um, with the government in the comms team, with a, a government department. Um, I was in the health department in Victoria. So um, at that stage, I started writing. I started um, I, I sort of worked out that I wanted to try a bit of fiction. So um, I had started writing. Um, and then I, when I realized that I, that's something I wanted to pursue, uh, um, you know, take, take more time to, to sort of work on, I quit my full-time job and I became a freelance editor. So, um, so I was doing a lot of writing and editing in my job in, in communications. So um, I quit my full-time role and I became a, um, a freelancer and that was 2006. So I've been freelancing ever since because um, I thought that it would give me more time for my own writing. But when you're <laughs> running your own business and you're trying to make money and all, you know, that stuff comes first and um, your own stuff kind of gets pushed to the side. So um, but that's when I really started trying to kind of write in earnest in 2006 when I, when I went freelance. Um, and I started writing... Um, adult crime fiction that was yeah. what I was reading mostly and that's what I enjoyed so that's what I started writing um but I couldn't find I, I wrote a couple of manuscripts couldn't find publishers um kept kept going with it and then I had this idea for a story that I I, I thought would be best told from a teenager's point of view so it became a YA book and I didn't think that's the path I would go down, but um, I managed to get an agent and she sold that book. So that became my first book and I became a YA author. So, um, but I found it really, um, it really suited me. You know, I really yeah. liked that um, genre and I was, I read in that genre, but um, I didn't think I, I would be writing in it. But um, so that was my first book. And um, then I continued with, with YA. I wrote a couple more manuscripts, but then couldn't sell those. <laughs> Um, so then had the idea for the book that became Things We Bury, which was, which came out last year, which is my first general fiction book. Yeah. Um, and that was published by Pam McMillan and I was lucky to get a two book deal with them. And this one that just was released, um, yesterday, The Broken Wave, which we're talking about today, um, that was the second book for that. So, um, yeah, so general fiction now still writing YA, still really want to continue with YA, but um, it's just, it's so, it, it's difficult in, in, in different ways, YA, because there are so many gatekeepers um, and there are so many kind of rules around YA, like political stuff that, um, that you've got to be aware of. And um, yeah, I still do love it. So I still want to, I still want to pursue that. I'm still writing, writing stuff and I'm still going to submit stuff, but um, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, it's the I, I'm with you on the YA world. It's very one. Also, it's very hard to market because like fifty five percent, I think it is of YA are adults anyway. But you can't market really, or we can't really paid market to 
under 18 year olds anyway and then it's kind of like who's reading it what can you say what can't you say but then at the same time you don't want to like write upper YA and then make it too young for them not to enjoy it but then there's so many legalities around it and yes I'm (laughs) I could talk about that whole thing all day for sure it's really tricky and there's and there is there is a snobbery in the literature world around YA um I mean just just in terms of how much um page space they get into why it gets in terms of reviews and invitations to festivals why authors and stuff like that it's just it's it's unfortunately i mean there's so much great writing in YA, especially australian YA, and um it's just really undervalued uh, i feel um which is a, which is a real shame and i really hope that that changes i mean it, it's sort of changing but i just i just really hope that 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 changes yeah yeah do you is that kind of were you kind of like okay cool i want to take a break from this and that's how you moved into adult like you or a different story came to you what was kind of like the the change up there it was a bit of both um because I'd written I'd written the YA that got published and then I'd written two more and as I said I was having trouble getting those published and I thought you know I had two YA manuscripts up my sleeve and I so one thing was I thought I can't no, no one's going to keep published like I'm, I'm ahead of the game here maybe I should write something else and maybe I could publish in two different markets um so because no one's going to publish like two YA there's not a series in one year so um I thought maybe if I write a YA and I write something um for a general market um I could be publishing side by side um because I also used a different name for my YA it's my name so my full name is Matthew Ryan Davies which is what is on the cover of my general fiction stuff but the name that I use day to day is Matt Davies that's how all my friends and colleagues know me so um, so that's what I published my YA as, and that's what I would continue to do is, is publishing under the slightly different names. Um, and the other thing was, yeah, I had an idea for, the, for, for that book that became Things We Bury, and I really wanted to write it. So I just wrote it not knowing whether I'd be able to sell it because, you know, I'd started in YA and, and so on. Um, but I just, yeah, I just went with it because I, yeah, it was the same, actually the same story as the YA in terms of I just had an idea for a story and I just wrote it and then it's other people who tell you it fits in that category or this category. Yeah, you yeah. You just think you're writing yeah. yeah. And the things we bury got off the TV. Is that right? Yes, yes. That's incredible. Yeah, it's very exciting. And, I mean, it's, it's very hard to get a book published, but it's even harder to get <laughs> a television show made um, in Australia. So... You know who knows i mean the, the the person who optioned it is um is very enthusiastic and she's keen she really wants to make it but there's just so many hurdles um mm. so i'm just i'm if it, if it works out fantastic but you know i'm sort of i'm optimistic of course i'd love for it to happen but you know the lot it's it's um it's a tough road so we'll just yeah. we'll just see but, but you've worked so in that weird. world before. So you you kind of like, you kind of like, you know, the process of like, there's so many different people involved of like from start to the end process. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you want something like that gets optioned? Well, I didn't, I, I didn't, I mean, that's, I worked in more like corporates, the yeah. corporate sector um, with, with what I did. So I don't really know. Um, I don't really know how things work in Australian television today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really have that many contacts or anything like that, but the um yeah the person who um who optioned it she had her first series on SBS um last year her name's Anna Barnes mm-hmm. um she had a series on SBS uh, which was a four part um about domestic violence and uh, um it was a drama called Safe Home and it was really really good um it was her first major production and um 
yeah, I watched it and I was so, so impressed. So that made me feel really, really happy. Um, and she was kind of saying that, you know, now that she's done one thing, she's got something under her belt. People are sort of asking her, you know, what have you got, what are you, what are you interested in next? And she's saying, I want to do things with Barry. So hopefully, hopefully something comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you, are you going to find, are you going to have kind of any creative input in that? Or you're like, take over. I just want to see to the end. <laughs> well, when I, when she first contacted me about it, um, she was, you know, like, you know, I just want to have a bit of a meeting and make sure that our, you know, creative ideas align and stuff. And I just kind of said to her, look, the book is the book. You can't change the book. I see this as a different project. I see this as your project. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, you know, that you do what you want with the material. And it, in in the contract I have with her, it does say that I will, that I'm to have input um, into the script and so forth. But you know, unless it's unless I feel it's really terrible or really doesn't match the book or something like you know, if it's really a long way from the from from the book, maybe I'd say something. But um, I'd, I'm I'm really interested to see what someone else would do with that material. Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially like- also because she's talking. Sorry, she's talking about sort of a six or eight part series. So I mean, even though um, even there's a lot of material in the book to work with, you you've got to even do more with it. You know, you've got to sort of draw it out even more and go even deeper so I'd love to see how someone else would interpret that yeah absolutely and it's also like I feel like that's so beautiful when people do that because it's like you get to create this thing and then put it out in the world but then you also get to see it through someone else's eyes and what they're going to do with that which is like it's a whole other another fun process so my fingers across that all goes across the line and really yeah and there's been a couple of really good ones like um the lost flowers of Alice Hart I just watched that um, series uh, um a couple months ago and then the other night I just started watching Scrublands and um I've watched the first two episodes and that's really fantastic so yeah, I mean, things are pretty good in Australian yeah. TV at the moment. Um, and there's so much more opportunities now with um, with pay TV, you know, with Stan and, and Netflix and so forth. There's so many more options. Um, so I think, I think things are probably better than they've ever been. Um, but also Australian publishing is, is, is so good at the moment as well. So there's so many books to choose from that would be fantastic on the screen. Yeah. Um, and they're filming so much here too. It's amazing. Like, I love it. I feel like it's so much more is happening over here. Like, even like there's the outer world is looking at Australia right now too in that that whole world, which is, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, a, you know, it's an attractive place for um, especially the, the Americans to mm. to produce stuff because, you know, our, our crews are so well known for being so hardworking and, um, and really good and, you know, world standard and, you know, it's often cheaper for them to make stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we, we support, um, our funding bodies support them. So it's, it's even cheaper for them to make stuff here because we, we put money into it as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, our, our, our industry, our film industry, TV, TV and film industry seems like it's been kind of fledgling for such a long time, you know, like, but, but now it really does feel like it's really coming into its own. And um, I mean, there's always been good stuff, but, um, because it's such a small market, um, yeah. we, we have to rely on overseas sales as well um, for it to be viable. So the material that's that's chosen, um, you know, it's it, it can be it can be limited. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a whole whole other process. It's it's exciting that my fingers are really really cross with you with you on that because like yeah, so many good Australian books are becoming more TV series. I see now, particularly with I guess it's the modality of how we consume content. But um, the Broken yes. Way, 
But I finished this in a couple of days because I couldn't stop turning the pages because I'm like, I have to know what happens at the end. And as an avid reader, you know, like I can like put a book down and go to the next one, but I literally just had to, once I got to that ending, I just had to sit there and just like, just really like consume that. I was like, it shocked me. It rocked me. Anyone who reads this is definitely going to be shocked and rocked if you're not you know, there's, there's something going on there because it's, um yeah, I don't want to give too much away. I'll let you give a bit of a, a synopsis, but then I'm dying to know how this idea came to you at the same time. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so The Broken Wave is about an American novelist called Drew who travels to the real life Victorian seaside suburb of Queenscliff um, for the funeral of a childhood friend who has died in kind of mysterious circumstances. Um, so his, his friend's name is Tom and, and Drew and Tom were friends for a brief period as children when, um, when Drew lived in, uh, Queenscliff, um, his stepfather was stationed there. He was a GI, he was stationed there. So they had this kind of glorious summer together until a tragic incident, um, happens, um, that involves these two boys and Drew is forced to return to the U.S., um, so that was that was 1992 when they were 12, and now it's 2018, and Drew is back in Queenscliff. Um, of course, he's there for Tom's funeral, but he's really there to try to deal with this unresolved trauma that he that he that he and Tom went through as as children. I mean, he's having Drew's having all these kind of issues in his life that he has no um, concept of the source of these issues, um, but he's never dealt with his childhood trauma. And so I guess subconsciously he's back there to, to try to do that, but also to try to find out whether this incident that they went through as children has anything to do with Tom's death. Mm. Yeah, it is a serious page turner and I honestly cannot recommend this more like it's thank you so much thank you it's true though it's wild I just like I was like moving through this like had to know but then at the same time get got me so um captivated and it's actually really interesting now knowing that you um have also wrote YA because of like the whole flashback effect of like talking Mm. like there's a there's situations where you know the um their childhood comes up and it's it's the present again you're talking like that they're kids so yeah like is that kind of is that kind of something that you want to like continue in a lot of your stories I love the whole flashback style I really do like it yeah um I thought it was important to include their experiences as children and really try to build that as a story on its own and actually when I started writing it so the book um like I said it goes between 1992 and 2018 and it goes so between their their childhood and present day well 2018 um, and I started trying to write it like that. So I would write, you know, a scene from the childhood and then a scene from the the adult time. And but I found that I was just because because it's written in first person. So we um, it's all from Drew's perspective. Um, so everything is I this, I that, I this. Um, I was getting really muddled with the two voices because we have the childhood voice of Drew and yeah. we have the adult voice of Drew. And I just I, it just didn't work. It wasn't working for me. I I, I just it, I kept tripping myself up. So I, I ended up writing all of those childhood scenes together at the beginning yeah. um, and then all the adult stuff. And then I went back and I stitched it together. I tried to work out where it would all sort of fit together. Um, but I loved writing that childhood voice and I loved the, I, I love those adventures between the two boys and the stuff they get up with, up to and the stuff they discover and the stuff they talk about. And 
you know, the girls and sipping their own beer, their first beer and camping out and feeling like adults. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I love being taken back to a simpler time. I was like, oh, this is yes. so nice. Like, especially yes. like the small town, I, I absolutely loved it. But at the same time, I think you're so incredible at creating characters because of them, like, diving back into his, like, childhood and then, like, how it's created the person you stay. And then when you get to the ending, it's like, um, it just how it ties everything together so nicely. It's it's um, a wild, wild story. And I definitely could see this one on the screen as well. Like it's very, I could yes. see like a, a, the dry style kind of, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, oh God, I would, I would love that. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you know Queenscliff, but it's just, a, it's a beautiful place. It would be such a beautiful setting. And to have this, I love this idea of this kind of fish out of water. So you've got Drew coming from America into this, in, into Australia one, but then also into this seaside town, which is kind of suspended in time. Like it's, yeah. it's it's got all this beautiful old architecture and these beautiful pubs and the old post office with the clock tower. And it's just, it's a gorgeous place. And then you've got the ocean right there as well. It's mm -hmm. surrounded by ocean. Um, and you've got military installations there because Queenscliff's got a, quite a long and prestigious military history. So there's the military bases there, which is always beautiful old stone buildings and, and two big lighthouses. It's a gorgeous place. Um, so yeah, it would just be that would be amazing. <laughs> Did you grow up around there? Like, have you spent much time around there? Is that like an area for you? I have spent a lot of time around there. Um, it's probably an hour and a half from my house. Um, oh. And when my kids were little, we used to holiday in a couple, a couple of towns over. We So I we, we spent a lot of time there. Um, but I chose it because, so Drew's, Drew's there because his stepfather is has been stationed there for the military. So I chose it because of the military aspect there. Um, so I did look into because they're Americans I did look into other locations because there are US military bases in Australia and I looked into locations and they they were all sort of far-flung places and places I didn't really want to set a book um, and then I remembered this um, this island this Swan Island um, which is off Queenscliff which is this kind of secret military installation where nobody knows what wow. goes on there um so I thought well that could, that could work since nobody knows what goes on there he, he could be there who knows yeah. what he's doing there um and because Drew's a child he doesn't really inquire about what his, his stepfather's doing he doesn't really care mm. um so that worked and um so it was close to my house um beautiful setting and I spent a lot of time there just like wandering the streets and just imagining you know walking to the to where I imagined their homes were to school and to the beach and how long it took what they would see because um, Queenscliff hasn't changed that much since 1992, but I was really careful to make sure that I didn't get things wrong. Like I didn't want to say, you know, they passed the bakery when actually the bakery was at the other side of the town or something like that. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that was all that was all correct. Um, so yeah, that took that took a lot of hassling of local people to say, oh, was this, is this here in 1992? Yeah, I absolutely that was, love that. Is there? There's got to be yeah. a local bookstore. There is now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Used to be. Um. Yeah. There used to be a, a petrol station where it is now. Um, when the boys were little, it was, um, when they were 12, it was a petrol station, but now there's a bookstore there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love seeing books that are just based on, particularly as tight, a smaller town where there's not many people. And it's like actually in that store and it's like based in that town as well. I, I absolutely get a thrill out of that. But I think it's because I grew up in Tasmania. Now a lot of books I feel like are based there because it's got that so many, great eerie film for, for crime. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Books based there it now, is. I've read so many, but I remember like reading books based there back ages ago. It was like, oh, it's so rare. So I really love that. It's good. Yeah, now, yeah. Tati's really taken next? off at the location. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's next are you writing something else what's kind of I mean congratulations because this only just came out and there's so much more to come on this but um do you go straight to writing something else as soon as you've you've finished a draft or do you let something simmer wait to another story what's your process yeah no I have been writing something else so this this book was um was written in a year which is really fast for me because I because I had a contract I'd never had a book contract before so um I had to I had to write it in a year um, and now I'm working on something else, but I, I don't have a contract for the next one. So um, I'm, it, it's slow, um, partly because I'm just, just busy. Like I've just got like, so much on and, um, but it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's going a bit more slowly than I would like. And because I don't have a deadline, I'm, I, I can be slack, yeah. but I'm really hoping that over the Christmas New Year period, I get some time. Well, I'm going to make some time. I'm going to make some time when I really want to get this. I can do it. So I've probably written about 40,000 words, something like that of, of the new one. Yeah. And it's, um, it's another sort of, that's got, that's got a bit of a, bit of a mystery, bit of a, um, bit of a crime sort of thing, but again, really focused on people. And I like to try, I, I really try to write emotional stuff. Like I really want to get into people's hearts um that's something that's really important to me and that mental health aspect is really important to me as well so that was really strong in 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 my YA and in things we bury and in the broken wave um what you know what a what um kind of impact events can have on someone's life and someone's outlook and um yeah that sort of stuff is really interesting to me and I think it's important because I really want people I really want re readers to to see people with who are going through a mental health issue to to see them as not not different from themselves, but just someone going through something um, because of something that's happened to them or some experience. Um, so that that's that's really and it, and I, I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but it's just it's just something that I'm interested in. So it's something that I just keep coming back to, I guess. Yeah, and it's really beautiful because it's like how it, it's how you create these incredible 3D characters. And I have to say that's actually something I really loved about The Broken Wave too because it's like told from a male's perspective. And so that's, I was like really getting into like, okay, cool, like how he's, how he's dealt with this and how it's like created, you know, how we bury things essentially. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you don't see heaps and heaps of books about male friendships um, mm. either, I don't think. And and in this case also, so we've got the the – the friendship between the boys, but then also um, adult males and younger younger males, um, yeah. friendships between those. So in, in this book, um, Drew develops a friendship with Tom's son. Um, and so, yeah, I, that, I don't think that's something you see a lot either. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm that's another thing I'm really interested in is male relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I loved all that. Yeah, so right. And I'm like, oh, wow, I actually can't name it book that I've read recently with all that in it so yeah highly recommend now the one really important question that I always ask everyone at the end of the interview is what would be your advice um what would be your best advice that you would pass on to writers but there's two different types of questions that I'm going to ask you just to make it a little bit uh harder because you, okay. you okay. um you said before about going into freelancing and thought it would be easier and have more time writing 
And I was like, that's so interesting because I know so many people who have done that or it's particularly, you know, when you're starting off as a copywriter or, you know, in the the journalistic kind of thing, it's like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll go freelancing, but really you're working for yourself, which is twice as hard sometimes (laughs) to then extra find time for the book. So my first question would be your advice for writers on, you know, finding that time and the schedule to get the work done and then overall advice that you would pass on. Yeah, I think in in terms of finding time, you really just have to prioritise. You have to make the time. I mean, I love hearing stories from authors who have really committed, like they've got up, they get up at 5.30 every morning and they write for an hour or two and then they they go to work. Or um, I know one one author, Catherine Collette, she gave up, I mean, I wouldn't always recommend this, but she gave up gym for a year. And she said, I'm sitting going to gym, I'm going to spend that time, I'm going to write. And I just love that kind of dedication because it is hard to find time, especially when you've got a family, when you've got full-time work, you've got stuff on. And it's very hard to write when you get home. Like if you've got a full-on job and then you get home at night to sit down and then, and especially if you're working with words during the day, like I'm working with words during the day because I'm editing other people's stuff. Um, and then to write my own stuff at the end of the day, it can be it can be sort of tiring. So um, what I tended to, for this one in particular, I tried to work in the mornings um, while when I was fresher. So I would um, I would write for a few hours and then I would get onto my paid freelance work in the afternoon or sort of late morning. But yeah, you've really you've just you've just got to prioritize it. I mean, another thing, if you think about how many hours you watch TV, some people mm-hmm. watch a lot of TV. So that might be something that you might give up for a, a period of time or limit yourself. I'm going to watch only an hour of TV, you know, a couple of hours a week or whatever it is. Um, but that's an amazing time saver um, if you can if you can do that. Um, so there's lots of different ways, but no one is going to write the book for you. Like if if you don't if you don't sit down in in front of your computer or your laptop, whatever it is, and and write, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you're not going to have a manuscript at the end. So um, and no one is, and, and especially you know, I mean, I've had a, as I as I said, I've had a book a one book contract, but all the other times it's just been me pushing myself. No one else, no one's waiting for my work. You know, I could take me five years, 10 years, no one's, no one's asking me for it. No one's waiting for it. So it's only me. And um, so that's what I would say to people is you just, you just have to, you just have to prioritize the time and do it and push yourself. And I know sometimes I sit down in front of the computer and I just don't feel like it um, when I'm in my allocated time, but I just, I, I might just sit there for a little bit and I'll just write something I do feel like, you know, like if I'm thinking of, if one scene later on in the book is very vivid to me, I might sit down and just start working on that for a while and just get me into it or just write anything. I mean, one thing that I've really learned to become comfortable with, which I think is good advice for people is um, to get comfortable with, with a shitty first draft, you know, like no one's, no one has to read it, just get the words down, get it done, get through. And at least at the end, you've got something to work with. You've got something, um, that you can edit um, and that you can move on with rather than just sitting there and going, oh, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. I can't go. I have to keep working on this, this, these few pages until they're perfect if I can move on. I mean, some people may work that way, but I, I would encourage people just to keep going, to continue to, to not look back so much and just get it done. Absolutely. I think that's such great advice. But also what you um, you made me think of like, you do, it doesn't have to be linear. I think that's really good. I'm going to take on that advice exactly. myself. Exactly. Yeah. Are you like even how you said you wrote the flashback separate to the big ones? You can like add it all together in the end. So if you're sitting down and feeling something else, write that. You know. Yeah, and I know that with um with some manuscripts that I've started, I've started with some scene that's very vivid in my mind. Like for example, in my YA, I, I the first scene I I wrote was when the 
the girl and boy first meet. So that was, and, and that, that ended up being, you know, chapter three or four or something, but it was just in my mind, I just saw it. And I thought, I'm going to start with that. And that, that started helping me to get to know the characters and how they interacted with each other and that sort of stuff. So I started with that and then, um, yeah, but yeah, not writing. You don't, you don't have to write it from start to finish. If that's, if that's not going to work for you, just, just write it, write yeah. it, write it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your incredible work. Thank you for everything that you've shared. Everyone needs to go and get the broken wave and let Matthew know once like what you think when you get to the ending <laughs> and me too. Just <laughs> It rocks me. I haven't traumatized you, Olivia. Yeah, <laughs> I was just sitting there like, <laughs> um, it's still vivid, still very vivid in my mind. Anyway, yeah. um, now where can people reach out to you, find you, etc.? Have you got a website or some socials? I can put into the show notes. Got a website, MatthewRyanDavies.com, um, and I'm on the socials as Matt Ryan Davies. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good well I'm pretty good I'm on Instagram I, I use Instagram probably more than the others um yeah. I am on the others I am on Twitter X um and threads as well but uh, and same Matt Ryan Davies yeah. um but Instagram is probably the one that I use the most perfect awesome I will put that all in the show notes and go from there thank you so much Matt fantastic thank you so much for your time it's been fantastic talking to you good thank on you, you Olivia